And with that, friends, we welcome you back into OGP Friday edition with myself, Adam Armbrecht, and as always, joined by the healthy, the wealthy, the wise, Mr. Andrew Makowitz. Adam, I'm a little confused this morning. I need some help. Sure. That's so, what I'm here for. I- I'm, I'm looking up the Washington football team, and just to make sure that I, I'm fully aware, are we calling them like Washington FT, like you know, sp- like sporting Kansas city in, yeah. in MLS or NYCFC for the local fans, Toronto FC. Is it just like Washington FT this year? I- I- I'm-, I'm confused. I wouldn't hate it. You know, I think that gives it a little bit of pizzazz because quite frankly, the Washington football team just seems <laughs> a little bit annoying to have to uh, go ahead and announce each and every time. So uh, yeah, I'm down. I'm down with the, the WFT. E- even Google's a little confused when you type in Washington football team, they're like, Andy, there's a lot of Washington football teams. Can you be a little bit more specific with your Google search? We talk in college. We go in pros. What exactly are you looking for here? Well, listen, um, when you're a team in Washington's condition, by the way, maybe the Giants could gleam something from this depending on how the season goes. Sometimes ambiguity isn't the worst thing in the world. Sometimes not being found can actually be your best bet to uh, avoiding some of the criticisms that can come up along the way. That being the case, though, friend, we do come in on our Friday show previewing the matchup with Washington FT. I like that. Yeah, we're going with it. And the first thing we, of course, take a look at is those injury updates. Most of it around the Giants is actually things that we kind of knew, and that's uh, on the defensive side of the ball, what it's going to look like in the absence of O'Shane Eximenez, in the absence of Lorenzo Carter. Any other noteworthy uh, players on the Giants side of things that will not be attending this weekend's matchup? Well, there's a lot of players that kind of were limited in practice. You look at uh, uh, Kyler Fackrell was uh, limited, different injury than what he's had before. I think this time it's an ankle injury. That's something to watch because, you know, he stepped up in a big way against Dallas, had that had that touchdown play, which was amazing, uh, gave us a little bit of false hope in that game. Uh, you look at Dribble Peppers is still dinged up. Um, and and also our man Darius Slayton, limited in practice with, with a foot injury, something to, to monitor uh, absolutely critical that we have him in this matchup against Washington FT. Yeah, I want <laughs> as we're trying to as we're trying to make a trend, friends. I'm I'm optimistic that what's interesting I will say is just a, a, you know anecdotally, uh, Cam Brown getting talked up a little bit by the coaching staff. They really like what he's doing on special teams. If you want to go over to the depth chart for the New York Football Giants, both Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown now move into second in line as far as depth goes so if there's going to be a breather needed now i expect them to trend heavy on marcus golden and say you know this is your game to run here and a big opportunity for him certainly on the defensive side of the ball but if breathers are needed we may get our first sniff of reps for the young guys obviously we we all know that i'm very excited about carter coughlin but even cam brown i'm always excited to see young players and not unlike what tay crowder showed us you know, that can be a little spark. It can be something that the offense just isn't ready to see, and maybe it ends up being a nice little play that they can make along the way. My favorite little nugget that's come out of all this about Cam Brown is what the coaching staff told him. It, 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 oh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, hey, uh, Cam Brown, I don't know if you know what your net worth is. Yeah, they literally told Cam Brown that they believe that there is $7 million inside of him and he needs to go unlock it. And like, oh, I've, buddy, never, buddy. I've, I've never heard that before. That's That's incredible. You buried the lead, sir. It's $70 million oh, 70. inside of him. They, 
see that he is big time contract money, brother. That's what they're talking about. They're saying, hey, friend, you're on a you're on a five year, 12 to 15 million dollar a year track. I thought they were just talking seven million a year. Like that's the type of player we see you. They're going big on this. Yeah. This is baller status for that young like, man. Look at, so. look at Blake Martinez. You could get his money. That's basically yeah. What well, saying. you know what? I mean, in a lot of ways, and I know they talk about in terms of bucking the trend of what's been late round picks for the Giants and not necessarily having a lot of success, but that opportunity to say, hey, you can be a starting caliber linebacker at the NFL level. So, and not only that, I mean, arguably say by those metrics, a pro bowler potentially, you know, borderline pro bowl player. So it's of course really nice to see uh, him getting some praise there. I, <laughs> I, I hesitate to jump on the bandwagon just yet, but I will be excited to see if he comes out there uh, and is able to make some plays. And you mentioned the foot for, for Darius Slayton, certainly something to keep an eye on. Wasn't lit, you know, participated in practice. So you're happy to hear that. And it looks like by all accounts that, uh, Sterling Shepard still in this kind of a- ambiguous area. Don't know if this is going to be the week back or if they hold him out one more time. Flip the script over to Washington. And unfortunately for Big Blue, this is a Washington FT. Uh, that doesn't work that way. Shoot. Uh, this is a Washington team. <laughs> this is an FT team that is getting healthier arguably at the wrong time from our perspective. Yeah, you look at Chase Young, came back last week, was getting his feet underneath him after being out for a couple weeks. Um, You look at one of the big additions that is expected from uh, the Washington offensive line is Brandon Scherf is being uh, taken off of IR. He is arguably their best offensive lineman. Uh, Pro Football Focus has graded him in the 70s basically every single year of his career. He is massive to get that run game going. You know, they're they're 30th in rushing right now. To be able to have someone, you know, solidify that line and get some consistency is huge for them. Yeah, and like you say, you know, coming off a game where this one could have loomed even larger if the Giants had been able to get that win against Dallas. And then when you look at a team, you know, they have Gibson there in the backfield for them. So as you start to get a healthier offensive line, potentially in front of him, he's been nice. He's a young player. Uh, he's had a couple up and down performances, but he's getting involved in both phases of the offense running and receiving. So he's, even as some of these struggles uh, maybe come up for them, he's going to be able to impact them in different ways. So unfortunately for us, they're getting a little bit healthier on offense and we are having some difficulties on the defensive side couple other footnotes uh offensive tackle Sadiq Charles was actually getting first team reps at the guard position uh they basically the shuffling were, too. <laughs> yeah they're they're really shuffling the deck over there because they're trying to find something to keep the quarterback upright and maybe have some semblance of a run game uh you know uh their their current play from West Martin hasn't been uh up to par so they're they're really trying to move some of these different pieces around to see if they could catch lightning in a bottle on the offensive line um when we talk about on the defensive side uh, a little bit of a footnote, uh, some of the w- Washington media that I've talked to really like the idea of Cole Hokum coming back uh, mm. at the linebacker position. Uh, he was dinged up with a, with a little bit of a knee injury. He started 15 of 16 games last year for them. You know, he's a real bright spot. He's a, he's a young guy, was uh, you know, taken in the 2019 draft, I believe. Uh, he'll probably kind of spell some of the reps from John Bostic at the linebacker position, but that's something to look for, especially – um, you know, how the defense has looked over the last couple of weeks without him and, and people like Chase Young. And by the way, John Bostic. Guys, you remember that he was a starting linebacker for the New York football giants, what feels like a decade ago, and he is still rattling around the NFL and finding himself some reps. So just, you know, listen, 
Sometimes you think we need to improve areas of the team. Maybe that should be a, a little bit of a, a bright spot from a Giants perspective because we're saying, hey, whatever condition we've been in, we chose to move on from John Bostic, and here he is starting on the Washington football team. Let's, of course, now look under center there behind a healthy and possibly ro- rotating offensive line, something the Giants maybe should be thinking about doing themselves to unlock the best combination. Of course, we say coming into it, friends, we know exactly what we're getting. It's going to be Dwayne Haskins struggling under center. I'm noticing that is not what we have written below us. Uh, Ron Rivera makes the switch a couple weeks ago, makes the change, goes to Kyle Allen. He actually gets a little dinged up in that first game. I think we gave the tip of the cap to uh, Alex Smith getting back out there and just being able to play through a healthy game and look pretty good. And now Kyle Allen is going to be the starter coming into this matchup. Should this be, Andy, actually worse for us, better for us, right? We know we had a sample size from him back in Carolina last year. I think the chaotic unpredictable Dwayne Haskins, inconsistent Dwayne Haskins is what really got you excited about the Giants looking at this game. Now it's a little bit more of a question mark and possibly in a more positive way for Washington. Yeah. You look at the passing attack for Washington and they're 24th in the league in passing. So you kind of knew what you were getting with Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen has that ability to be a little bit better than that or a little bit worse. And it brings more variables into play. I think with Dwayne Haskins, we kind of knew where things were going. What I will say about Kyle Allen, which I I just don't understand it. You know, in 2019 playing for the Carolina Panthers under Ron Rivera, he was 29th in total QBR out of 30 qualified quarterbacks. And, and, you know, as a footnote, Daniel Jones, I believe was 18th. He's, he has had enough reps and the rest of the league has seen him to, to say, we don't think he's a starting quarterback. But Ron mm. Rivera loves him for some reason, loves him in his offense, feels some consistency, which is what he thinks he needs. And the only reason why Ron Rivera makes this switch off of Dwayne Haskins is because he legitimately thinks they still have a shot at the division rather than, okay, let's start developing some of our young talent. Well, what I will say on that front is that I know that that's how he comes out and says, this is because we still think we can be competitive and this is our opportunity. I think there's also just the reality there, right? There were concerns around Dwayne Haskins last year under center. He didn't necessarily improve in any of those areas. Now we have our own concerns around Daniel Jones, but baseline play, it just feels like Dwayne Haskins may have been a miss in terms of first round prospects, right? Especially at the quarterback position. So there is some part of me that looks at that and says, yes, I understand you want to stay competitive. I think that Rivera probably looks at Kyle Allen and says he can just do things consistently for us, right? I need you just to go out and mitigate any risk and go ahead and maybe allow a, 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 you know, exciting front seven for our defensive side of the ball to play and maybe lead us to a couple of wins. I, I really think that Rivera came into that. There's a reason why Kyle Allen was brought in here immediately in the offseason and why you still have Alex Smith on this roster. I think Ron Rivera, even from afar, looked at Dwayne Haskins and said, that ain't going to be the guy. Like This, this isn't going to be it. I don't know when I'll pull the trigger unless he blows the doors off of us and we're winning games early because of him. This move, this move was in place long before Dwayne Haskins looked out of sync to start the season. Now, oh, the second that they traded for Kyle Allen, I think everybody knew within the first six games that you were going to start seeing Kyle Allen. My, my only question is if Ron Rivera takes over and he gets, um, you know, oversight on everything, why not just bench Dwayne Haskins right away and go to Kyle Allen? Like at, at that point, like you're, uh, you're doing this facade of like, let's give Dwayne Haskins a legitimate shot, but really like he's got to be 
better than everyone even, ex- you know, it exceeds expectations, not even just meets expectations to keep the job. To me, it's, it's just one of those things where like he had to please Dan Snyder because Dan Snyder's kids go to went to college with Dwayne Haskins. It's like this whole weird thing. I don't know <laughs> that, that, that they're doing there. And what? No, hundred percent. I think that's what it is. You come out, you win that first game, by the way, a division matchup against Philadelphia, you lose to the Cardinals. You expect to lose to the Cardinals. You lose to the Cleveland Browns. Maybe you thought you could have won that. So, you know, as you're working through the schedule and it's a difficult start for Washington, to be fair, you know, Philadelphia, Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore, and then the Rams, like it wasn't an easy start of the season for them. So you really weren't setting it up for success. And in that way, Ron Rivera protects Kyle Allen from getting thrown right into the fire where you probably weren't going to win more than maybe a game over that stretch regardless of who was QBing for you now you come out of bad look for us but a more favorable stretch of games here back to back in the division uh, the, the thing that we can look at now as we talk about what some of the concerns should be for big blue going into this matchup the one one of them jumped out for me I know you're going to go on the defensive side but the red zone production here for the Washington football team is interesting now when I pull up and I look at their schedule and I see that after that first game against Philly they're putting up 15 20 17 and 10 points so it's not like they're in the red zone or getting a lot of scores too consistently but it is worth noting that they are to this point of the season 71 a little north of 71 percent in the red zone that's good for eighth in the NFL right now and over the last three games small sample small opportunities for them but they've converted on 85 percent of their red zone trips so there's something there to say that when they are getting the looks they are converting how frequently are they getting those opportunities is a different story so it's something that we're going to want to watch from a giant side of things because if we want to get unfortunately depressed on our end we know this right 35 percent excuse me I misread, I, mis- I misread Cincinnati Bengals red zone production. The New York football giants are under 31% in the red zone, 28% over the last three games. Now they were, if you want to go positive, 66% in the red zone last week against the Cowboys, but that's not necessarily that great given who the Cowboys are. So this is an interesting thing to keep an eye on in the game from a bad team in Washington, right? But They've been able to get points on the board. We've been a bend but don't break kind of defense. What happens in the red zone, especially early in this game, could be very telling about where both teams are as we head into the third and fourth quarters. And to throw another variable into this, we just talked about Kyle Allen. He's only played one game to have those metrics in the red zone. So mm-hmm. is it the play calling uh, from Ron Rivera and, and the offense that's you know creating that real opportunities for their team to be successful you know in inside the 20? Mm-hmm. potentially is Kyle Allen someone that is going to be consistent and be able to work within the scheme that he already know, he knows from his time in Carolina with Rivera. Sure. So that to me is a huge concern. You know, you talk about the giants, we were 20% red zone efficiency before the Cowboys game, but it seems like everybody's getting right against the Cowboys defense. Um, when we talk about the Washington defense, um, my stat is, is pretty interesting. Um, it kind of goes towards, the Washington defense has given up 30 points or more in their last four games. And so when we talk about a defense that's been struggling, um, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's, it's jarring. Like what, what giant offense are we going to see? It was really successful for the giants. um, When we talk about, I don't know, looking at the Cowboys, the Cowboys were giving up almost 40 points a game. They ended up giving 
34 up to the New York Giants. So the Giants didn't even get to that 36 and a half number that we're they're, they're giving up today. I'm really curious to see now that Chase Young's back, now that Cole Holcomb's back, if the Giants are going to be able to put points up against the Washington defense. Yes. And that's that the hard thing on a week to be week, excuse me, matchup to matchup basis is looking at the stats and looking at the weaknesses of a given team and then trying to figure out if we can have success against it. It's not about can the league, like the league's having success, can the New York football giants have success there? And that's what that's where I get concerned. That's where I try to glean positive from what we saw last week in Dallas. And I think, again, we talked about it on the Monday show of, I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle, right? I don't think we're as bad offensively as we looked against some of the elite defenses. We may not be a consistent 30-plus point team like we were against Dallas, but Washington FT gives us a great opportunity to at least start to get some of that rhythm and build off of what we saw uh, against Dallas last week. When we when we think about the defense, when we think about what we're going to be referring to as our OG matchups this week, what are you seeing there in terms of uh, the Chase Young versus Andrew Thomas situation? One where obviously this is a, hey friends, what could have been? Yeah, it's interesting when you think about, uh, you know, back, go back about 12 months and the Giants are facing off against Washington, which is what was called the Chase Young Bowl. And the Giants ended up victorious in overtime against the then Washington Redskins. Um, and with that victory, it kind of catapulted the uh, Washington football team into the number two spot with the ability to go ahead and draft Chase Young. Mm-hmm. The Giants then, you know, a couple picks later decided to take their offensive tackle of the future, Andrew Thomas. Now, the challenge that we've seen is they've kind of gone in different directions so far at the beginning of the season. Chase Young looked amazing in week one uh, with, uh, you know, I think almost two sacks, second and a half, uh, wreaking havoc, a couple tackles for loss against the Eagles in their week one win. Um, you know, he got dinged up a little bit coming back mm-hmm. healthy, but he's looked the part. You turn over to Andrew Thomas on the other end. He has given up the most QB pressures in the entire league, has has looked a little bit overwhelmed. It looks like the moment is a little big for him, albeit against big-time defensive ends and pass rushers like the likes of Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald and, and so on and so forth, TJ Watt. Um, so this is a difficult matchup for the, for the Giants, clearly. I mean, Chase Young has the athleticism, the speed, the power to give Andrew Thomas problems. And, man, if, if Andrew Thomas can be just serviceable – it changes the dynamic of what the Giants can do on offense, Adam. Yeah, and we talked about uh, the adjustment that we've seen in terms of snap counts for an Evan Ingram. We've seen Caden Smith ticking up there. Toyoloa also getting utilized. So something to watch for is how do they try to help Thomas on the left side of the line there and mitigate some of that risk against a matchup like Chase Young. The other piece that I'll throw out too here, uh, listen, again, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach this all season long, essentially. You know, judging talent in New York media when you're a New York-based team is always hypercharged than it is anywhere else in the country. So, you know, listen, has Thomas struggled? Yes, but uh, Colombo spoke about what some of the concerns or issues were. Mark Schlereth, everyone knows uh, that favorite guy uh, over there doing his broadcasting, uh, you know, over uh, on the NFL side of things. Wow, that was about as smooth as a transition as you could make. Schlereth out there in the world. And he was saying though, that a couple of things that are positive. One, he thinks that Thomas is maybe just, he's overthinking and trying to over anticipate. So he doesn't want to get beat around the edge, 
So he's overstepping himself out to the side and it's then making him very predictable. So the defensive player can go ahead and shuck, move inside. And now he has better leverage even because Thomas is almost getting himself off balance. Uh, Now, Colombo came out and said he's getting violent after plays when he's gotten beat. The the nice combination that I'm getting in terms of, of evaluation of Thomas, he hasn't been good. And also, I know we're comparing him to the other tackles that were taken in the draft, but typically tackles don't look good early in their careers. So I think it's okay to say by weeks 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, let's see where we stand with Thomas. It is just unfortunate that when you talk about the Giants' schedule, he's consistently getting met with very difficult challenges. And then we're talking about where is Hernandez consistency, where is Gates consistency, and this trickle-down effect that makes it hard to put Thomas in, you know, let's get him a win here on this matchup week to week. You talk about that trickle-down effect. You know, when you're drafting a tackle that high, it means that you have problems on the offensive line. And the Giants across the board are not a solidified unit that you'd say, oh, they're just one left tackle away from being the best offensive line in football. So there's problems across the board. And, you know, when you look at this pass rush for the Washington football team, it's not just Chase Young. I know we're, we're highlighting him because of, uh, you know, his his link to Andrew Thomas. But you look at Montrez Sweat, you look mm-hmm. at Ryan Kerrigan, um, you look at some of the inside defensive tackles that they have, they can get to the quarterback and create matchup problems across the board for the Giants. And, you know, because of that, I really do think we're going to have to see a little bit more Caden Smith, uh, you know, Tyola. We're going to have to have someone maybe sitting in there giving a little bit more protection. We may need Evan Ingram to do a little bit of chipping uh, on the side just to give that extra half a second to Daniel Jones because – if this pass rush starts teeing off and they make us, you know, one dimensional, it's good. It's going to be a long day on offense. Yeah, for sure. And that's why we, we, we want to see early production from the offense. However you want to get there, go ahead and move that ball quickly, especially through the air. So it just goes ahead and backs off that defense a little bit, mitigates some of the risk around the pass rush and gives us an opportunity to sustain a couple drives. We have been good at that, by the way. We have nice sustained drives, getting the points on the board. That's the key thing. I think unlike last week, if the Giants can get up earlier in this one, then it makes it a little bit easier even on the defensive side of the ball, which is obviously where we're going to go in our second OG matchup. We've talked about this kid. I like him. I, I really, I you know, this is a guy that makes it easy to like Washington FT when you talk about a receiver in Terry McLaurin. He only has to this point of the season, I say only because I think coming off of his rookie campaign, it was pretty exciting what, what we thought he was going to be able to build up into. The 29 receptions on 46 targets, has 400 yards, only one touchdown though, averaging 14 yards per clip. If the expectation is that he is the number one weapon there in Washington, obviously he's going to lock up with Bradbury or Bradbury is going to lock up with him. What do you see from that matchup? What do you anticipate and how can that change the dynamic of this game from a Giants success perspective? Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, James Bradbury has been everything that we've asked for. We've highlighted it and we keep saying it because he just continues to impress by any statistical measure, if you look at Pro Football Focus analytics, passes defended, a- any of them, you know, James Bradbury has been a top three cornerback this year. You know, you can make arguments. Uh, Jair, Jair Alexander of the Packers, uh, you know, can give him a run for his money, but you're talking about he's one of the top three players. And, you know, Scary, scary Terry uh, <laughs> is going to have some, some challenges here. And the reason why is because you can kind of leave them off on their own. Bradbury has proven that he can take someone like Amari Cooper and and put them into witness protection. I think Amari (laughs) is still being passed around on milk cartons from last week. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and, and the other piece of it is, and this bodes well for the Giants, is that there really isn't a secondary wide receiver that you look at for the Washington football team and say, oh, well, Bradbury's got one side covered, but this guy is a problem. And, and, you, and you look at you know, the Rams with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and and the the depth that they have at wide receiver. You look at the Cowboys with, you know, the three-headed monster of Lamb, Gallup, and Cooper. They present problems. Here, you're talking about Dontrell Inman, Isaiah Wright. You're, you're talking about guys that don't necessarily scare opposing defenses, and that bodes well for the Giants. If you know that you, you have Bradbury against McLaurin and you're willing to live and die by that matchup, you can then focus in and say, we're going to make one of these other guys beat us. And unlike that Dallas matchup where it was like, well, we're going to take away Amari Cooper from you. Oh, by the way, we have CD Lamb. We have Gallup. You know, we have these other weapons there, right? So the fact that Washington isn't as deep in their weapon arsenal on the offensive side of the ball can make it easier for our defensive unit to say, where are we weakest? Okay, we don't have a ton of depth there at the cornerback position, but we can probably survive as long as Bradbury is able to do work against McLaurin. So fun to watch that, see if Bradbury follows him around the field or not, or if they kind of take some, you know, risk rewards of switching up those matchups on occasion the other one for me that we'll touch in on and we'll just call it the og keys why not is going to be darius slayton and this wide receiver core on the offensive side of the ball for the new york football giants i've obviously been hard on golden tate i'm not really setting a high bar for him in this game we know mac is going to be elevated onto the roster for big blue as well when we talk stat lines and we get inside the starting cornerbacks for the Washington football team, the couple of names, obviously, it's going to be Darby. It's going to be Fuller. The things that jump out to me there are completion percentage. Now, they actually only allow 58 and 54% completion percentage against, respectively. But the interesting thing to me is yards per completion, almost 16 against Fuller, over 17 against Darby. So this is a, maybe a little bit of a feast or famine kind of scenario. Big plays can be had there. And then the other two big stats, as we all know, Adam loves to use them, inside of the QB rating that they surrender, 74 for uh, Fuller. For Darby, it's up there at 93. So that's a nice little matchup opportunity there for Daniel Jones in this offense. And then actually the sneaky big number here for me is Darby only missing on nine and a half percent of his tackles. So even if he's giving up plays, he's bringing them down. 25% missed tackles for Fuller. So it means that those quick run after catch routes, right? Darius Slayton really exploded in this last game against Dallas. He can be the big play over the top, but we've also seen him been sneaky good. When he had his uh, chest to the quarterback, back to the line of scrimmage, and caught that one pass there in the Dallas game, he did a great job of having spatial awareness, feeling the presence of the DB on his back, did a little duck, got himself, you know, leaned around, turned, and got a couple of extra yards there on the back end as well. Do you think that even beyond, let's say, Darius Slayton, can the Giants' offense have success? Do we, do we, keep looking at Evan Ingram there, or are we saying even a guy, a young player like Mac, can he maybe be a step up piece here where when targeted early on those quick little routes, take that ball and go. I'm looking squarely at Austin Mack in this game. I, I know that uh, it, it's the, the cheap, easy win here because he did get promoted uh, from the practice squad. Giant fans have been excited about the potential of bringing up one of these younger wide receivers that we've been nurturing uh, throughout the first few weeks of the season. But to be honest with you, you look at Damian Ratley, he really gave you nothing in quite considerable snaps. I think uh, you said he, I think he played almost 35% or 35 snaps or something like that last mm -hmm. week. And so, you know, you're giving those snaps to someone that maybe can at least do a little bit more than what Damian Ratley did. I think he, he may have had one catch in the last game. He had to 
offensive pass interference that took back a, a touchdown. Here, I look at it and say, look, we have Darius Slayton. We, we have no Sterling Shepard back just yet. You're not expecting much from Golden Tate. This really does give an opportunity for Mac to get out there and make some exciting plays that we just haven't gotten production from otherwise. So for me, I'm looking squarely at Mac. I'm excited to see him out on the field. I'm sure he's going to make a couple of rookie mistakes, but just the potential alone, I, I want to see what we have and start building some of this talent. Yeah, and you and I have talked about this consistently. I want to see the young players. I want to see the growth. So we're going to get a potential look on a couple of guys there on the defensive side of the ball and then offensively. Remember, we've talked about this before too. So whatever your opinion of of Golden Tate is, he's not going to be here next year. That that that's all that's what you need to know. So if we think that Darius Slayton is continuing to emerge as a legitimate target, we're still probably, you know, league wide wondering, is he a number one or is he a high, you know, high two borderline number one, which is a great compliment for a wide receiver. So if Matt can show something here early over to this game and of course the next couple of games, maybe we're starting to unlock something that really refreshes the wide receiver core and says, Coming into the year, we thought Slayton and Tate and Ingram and, and Slayton, you know, uh, sorry, Shepard. And now we go, well, okay, Shepard's been hurt. Tate's done. Ingram hasn't shown up. Slayton's been solid. But so all Adam, of a sudden that group goes, yeah. What about CJ Board? You're burying the lead. <laughs> what about my boy CJ Board? No, but and listen, and that's the problem, right? Remember, go back to the offseason where the John, you know, we, we, you know, tried to drink the Kool-Aid on it. Hey, you're bringing in your guys, guys that maybe fit your scheme, what you want to see happen there from a wide receiver perspective. And again, I will say this is another additional credit to this New York football Giants team, the organization, this coaching staff, even to Dave Gettleman at the GM position of saying, you know, in years past, they weren't willing to just kind of roll with it and say, this player's not working here. Let's go ahead and try to find somebody else and give him a shot, right? We wouldn't have taken Ratley out of this. This very much feels a little bit like a Benny Fowler situation where you go, yeah, okay, we kind of know what Benny Fowler is. He's serviceable. He can make a couple plays, but why don't we take a look at a young guy, right? Like Cody Latimer, right? Like another guy <laughs> where, where we just we, we keep bringing these people out and, and they're serviceable, but, but to your point, we know what we're getting from them. There's no tremendous upside. It's just a guy. And, you know, this year it is a little bit different. You look at, you know, Giant fans were upset about Corey Coleman, right? Like he just still doesn't even have a job, but like we're so conditioned to have these players that get forced upon us. And then we're like, well, I guess like I'm, I'm interested in this guy. And they play six games and you're like, we're getting no production from this guy. Why is he still on the roster? At least we're making those changes and we're saying, look, Ratley didn't work out. Fine. Cut the losses. Didn't have a huge investment. Let's find the next guy that gives us more upside. And to, to me, I, I like that. At this point, we should be trying to identify what talent is going to be moving forward with us while Daniel's rookie contract. You better believe it, man. So listen, for us, the keys when we look back at this, it's going to be our wide receiver core against a suspect secondary for WFT. We're also going to be looking at the New York Giants versus that defensive front. So how does Thomas and really this collective offensive line look in front of Daniel Jones? Can we continue to give him some time? And by the way, footnote here, continue to open some holes for Devontae Freeman. We, I, I've liked what I've seen from Gallman. He is upticking in terms of his reps. So try to use some of that power game as well. And then and finally, red zone results, right? What are the Giants able to do when they get to the red zone? And can we stymie, even though it may be a relatively small sample size, what has been a consistent and solid production 
from the Washington football team in the red zone on their offensive side. So those are the kind of those little things to look for, especially early first couple possessions of the game. This is, of course, also going to be a matchup here where we talk about the Giants giving two and a half to Washington. This is a home game technically for us, even though it'll be an empty stadium, which essentially means, Andy, as we know, three points on the swing for depending on where you're playing. This makes it a neutral game. Are, 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 we'll get out of here on this. Are you surprised that it's a neutral game? And does that 42 and a half over under surprise, surprise you there as well? Or do you know what this is indicative of? I have my my sneaky suspicions. Everyone knows on this show I'm not the uh, the expert when it comes to those betting lines. But I have my thoughts. Well, you know, listen, the, the Giants have a little bit more consistency. If you look at both teams, the one uh, group that you feel pretty confident in across all these different teams is the New York Giants defense. I think they've shown that they're competent. They have the ability to get to the quarterback and you can get some consistency from them. So I think, you know, this line is basically telling me that they think it's probably it could potentially be a field goal either way. They're giving it to the Giants because there is some consistency on that defense. Um, when you look at the over under, to me, I look at that number and it says one thing and one thing only to me. It says, First team to 20 points wins the game. That's literally when I see that number, I say they're trying to say whichever team can get to that 20 number first is going to be the victor in this matchup. Yeah, and and honestly, hopefully, obviously, it's going to be big blue. I maybe get a little bit sneaky here. I maybe get a little bit excited. We obviously save our predictions for Sunday morning, so stay tuned for that. I, of course, have been touting my only pick, the New York football Giants, the remainder of the season until they win a game. I almost thought that I had had it figured out this past weekend against the Dallas Cowboys, but it got away from us there, obviously, late. The uh, the big news here, too, by the way. Oh, go ahead, Andy. A closing I was just going to say, you, you said before to our listeners that you were going to pick the Giants come hell or high water. And, oh, just so convenient that they're favored in this matchup against the Washington football team. So are you really going to go out on a limb and pick the New York Giants when they're favored to win the game? Well, I listen, you know, the broken clock's right twice a day. Uh, a blind goose finds a squirrel. It's something along those lines. I, uh, listen, I, I can't help it if I ran into the Washington football team. That's just the nature of the schedule. Shame on shame on the league for allowing this type of ineptitude to exist where an 0-5 football team can actually be favored in a matchup. Um, we'll bring those predictions in. You can obviously follow us at One Giant Podcast. You can use the hashtag OGP to search for our stream on Sportscaster, where, by the way, friends, we're going to do a couple things here. First, we're going to say a nice little shout out there to Devils Adam. Hey, I'm a Devils fan as well. Thank you for coming on the broadcast. Thank you for the follow. We've also got a couple of WBUSA. Thank you for checking in with us there as well. And of course, Blue Jay Don and everybody who came out on the live stream. We really appreciate it. This officially marks the launch of the featured podcast on Sportscaster. You can watch us live when we do our tapings, and then there's going to be a now podcast section where you can listen to the podcast as you please at your leisure. So if you ever want to recap what we thought about coming out of Sunday's game, if we win or lose, and then really specifically heading into, say, the Washington matchup this weekend, you can check in on our Wednesday stream and podcast episode as well as our Friday because that basically is all injury updates and looking ahead head to this matchup what are our expectations for big blue so many thanks to nick shupak our i always i call him an overlord but i mean that as a compliment he's a gentleman overlord here on sportscaster where we are going to be doing our thing every monday wednesday and friday morning please join us friends follow us and as andy makowitz wants needs and demands you to know
As always, let's go Big Blue. Bang.